Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see all of you online. Uh, with me in the studio today is Axel, who's behind the camera, and Tim, who's observing from the side. And uh, this is our 40 plus weeks of doing online gathering. And I'm so glad, as you've heard from Tim, that we are slowly resuming our physical gathering, starting from the 21st of February, where Team City, our volunteers would uh, gather together uh, for a time of revisioning. And then the clusters would meet and look forward to Easter, because Easter, uh, we will have two services where all of us can come together to celebrate the Lord's resurrection. Amen. So look forward to that. I believe we have gotten used to a certain rhythm uh, in the last one year. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, in this church, we believe in the rhythm of Sunday gathering and of course, small group gathering. So it may take some time for you to get used to it. I want to strongly encourage us. It's not just about coming here to receive, but it's also coming here as part of this family to give. I look forward to people praying for me when we were still gathering physically. And I look forward uh, to receiving ministry and also giving ministry every Sunday. You are an important part of this church and without you, something is missing. So I look forward to seeing you on the 21st and moving forward every Sunday. Amen. Now, now this morning, I've, I've got a word I believe is from uh, the Lord and it's from uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. I know this is pre-recorded, but I believe what I'm sharing with all of us is timeless. I want to speak to you on a subject, the God who answers by fire. The God who answers by fire. Just go into God's Word now, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. We can flip your Bible or turn on your Bible uh, to 1 Kings chapter 18. I want to read from verse 20 and make some comments and then uh, we will preach. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? How long will you go limping between two different opinions? I, I like the, the ESV version. because In the ESV version, it says that God's people are limping between two different opinions. And Elijah just said, If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. So the context is this. From the reign of Solomon, he allowed foreign gods to creep into the culture of Israel, so much so that Israel gradually departed from the worship of the true God. And after uh, decades, under King Ahab, the spiritual drought was so bad that Queen Jezebel started actively and openly persecuting the prophets of God. And, and uh, it's no wonder that God allowed land to suffer a physical drought which is a reflection of Israel's great spiritual drought. And God's people have strayed so far from the worship of the true God that Ahab ironically actually blamed Elijah uh, for the trouble or, or no, for being the troubler of, of Israel. And that's the irony where Elijah is supposed to be the solution as God's prophet, but the king actually blamed Elijah as the problem. So what did Elijah need? Elijah needed evidence that God was alive, that God was active, that the people would then believe 
on him and turn back to him. Elijah needed fire. Elijah needed fire. I believe that's what we need today as the body of Christ. More than just putting up a good show, I believe we need a fresh fire to fall from heaven. Fire is a symbol or an evidence or a manifestation of God's presence and God's power. I believe that's the greatest need for the church today. Do we need more numbers? I don't think so. Do we need more finances? Not really. Buildings, technology, better methods? Uh, these are all good things, but I don't think that's what the church needs today. I believe like Elijah, what we need, my friends, is the burning, consuming, illuminating, and empowering fire of the Holy Spirit to fall upon the work that God has called us to do. It's very easy for us to slip into lethargy. It's so easy for us to uh, take a back seat when, when, when it comes to God's kingdom. And it's so easy when there is no other believers around us to fan the flame of God within us, which is why I look forward to the church gathering because we need each other to fan the flame of God in us. And at the end of this message, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God will ignite a fresh fire within us before we even start gathering because this, this, is, this is the beginning of a brand new year. And I just pray that as God's people, we will not live lukewarm lives. We will live a life full of the blazing fire of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. See, God is a God of fire. He met Moses in a burning bush. He led the children of Israel by night with a, pal with a pillar of fire. The pre-incarnate Christ was the fourth man who walked uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Tongues of fire came upon the early church and empowered them to do the work of the ministry. The prophet Isaiah called God the God of burning or the spirit of burning. The question for us to ask this morning is how can we obtain this fire? See, in verse 38 in uh, this passage in 1 Kings, we read, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering. Then the fire of the Lord fell. What are the antecedents of this then? For it, it is clear that there are certain conditions that must be met before the fire of God can fall. These requirements must be met. So when did the fire fall? When did the fire fall? And I believe there are five conditions and we'll talk about these five conditions and I pray that we will all, by God's grace, be enabled to fulfill these conditions and start taking steps for us to meet these requirements. Number one, the fire fell when the altar was repaired. The fire fell when the altar was repaired. Let's look at verse 30. In verse 30, uh, the Bible says uh, here that, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. The very first thing that Elijah did in preparation for the coming of the fire of God was he repaired the altar of the Lord. You, you see, my friends, idolatry, apostasy had been prevalent for so long that God's altars had been broken down. And Elijah was now engaged in the work of repair. The question for us is, what does this mean for us in the, in the 21st century? What is, it, what is the significance to all of us? 
Surely that the fire of the Lord only falls in our lives, in this church, in the work He has called us to do for Him when the Lord is given His rightful place. You, you see, wherever there is an altar, God's presence is present. When God is given His rightful place, has the Lord have the rightful place in your life and in all that you are seeking to do in His name? I believe altars are markers in the Christian's life. Turn to the person next to you and say, an altar is a marker. An altar is a marker. Altars are markers in the Christian's life. It is us carving out the time and the space in our lives for the Lord. We must build daily altars of devotion, weekly altars of what I believe, corporate worship, quarterly altars of personal audit where we ask the Holy Spirit to search us and try us and to see whether there are any wicked ways within us annual altars of consecration where we renew our commitment to follow hard after God and say that He is our all in all. See, we build altars throughout our lives. Some families, they have got family altars where they, where they gather their family and they seek God together. Some daily, some weekly, some quarterly. Regardless, we must be building altars because altars are markers. Altars is when we acknowledge that, that God, we are giving you this time. We're giving you this space in our busy lives. It is when Elijah repaired the altar that the fire fell. Number two, it is when the sacrifice was offered. It is when the sacrifice was offered. Let's look at verse 33. In verse 33, and he, Elijah, put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid on the wood. And, he's, and he cut the bull in pieces and he laid it on the wood. The sacrifice in this story was a bull, which Elijah cut up and placed piece by piece on the altar that he built. Piece by piece. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, we have to present our body as a living sacrifice. My question to all of us, including myself, is how many pieces of my life have I really offered to the Lord upon the altar? And how many of my members are yielded fully to Him as instruments of righteousness? What about my hands? Are they clean? My feet, do they walk in God's ways? My eyes, are they beholding wondrous things in His Word? My lips, praising Him and abstain from uh, saying things that were hurt God's name, my home, my environment, my job, am I glorifying God uh, as a manager, as an employee, my pleasures, my habits, my hobbies, my friendships? Have I yielded all these pieces of members to the Lord? As I was preparing for this message, I felt a little bit old school. But my friends, call me old school all you want. I believe the gospel is incomplete if we are simply inviting people to receive the wonderful free gift of salvation without challenging them to a lifestyle of surrender. It's an incomplete gospel if all we talk about is salvation without surrender. You see, friends, I believe God isn't just the lover of our souls. He's also the Lord of our lives. Of course, He loves us and He gave His self, His Son for us. But He also loves us enough to know that unless we surrender our all to Him and allow Him to live His life through us, that we will not be effective as believers in our current culture. You see, Paul wrote in 
uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, that Christ must have preeminence in all things. He must have preeminence in all things. The question we must ask ourselves, especially every January, is who is upon the throne of our lives? Is it Jesus or is it self? See, I've seen God mark His people whenever they present their lives as, as offerings. You must remember, I was a youth pastor. We love to give altar calls. And, and I've seen altars filled with young people with, with snorts and with mucus and, and, and they stain the floor with their surrender. And I tell you, the, I've seen young people being, being marked by God for the rest of their lives as they surrender themselves and say, God, here I am, use my life. And many went on, not all went into full-time ministry. Many have gone on to become amazing uh, photographers and managers. But one thing is distinct in all these young people's lives. Their lives are marked with the presence of God. They knew that they're living and working for something bigger, something far greater than just for their own comfort, for, their, for, for just a big fat bank account. They are living for something even greater. And that's what surrender does to all of us when we make the Lord, when we make God the Lord of our lives, that's what happened. And that's a complete gospel. See, God wants to do that in our lives this morning. So I encourage all of us, let Him take over. He's much better in living our lives than, than we can. Amen. He's much better than living the Christ-like life by the power of the Holy Spirit than we can. The fire fell when we present our lives as living sacrifice. The third thing, it is when the water was poured. Let's read verses 33 to 35. When the water was poured, it says here, And he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on, and on the wood. And Elijah said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he, and he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. You see, the pagan priests, the, the, the prophets of Baal, were notorious for their trickery in deceiving people with false signs and wonders. False fire. And Elijah wanted to set the record straight. And he made sure that everyone knew without a shadow of doubt that if the fire fell, when the fire fell, it wasn't man-made, it was heaven sent. And to prove his point, he wet the wood, he wet the sacrifice so that it makes it impossible for it to be man-made. So after placing the pieces of sacrifice, he poured water not just once, twice, but three times. You see, friends, we live in a world where we could easily substitute the fire of God with many things, especially in the body of Christ, with technology. And I thank God for technology. I'm speaking to you because of technology. But it's easy for us to substitute the fire of God with technology. Beautiful spaces, church buildings, emotionally charged music. Sometimes we equate our emotional response to God's presence. Well-illustrated presentations, PowerPoints, dazzling oratory, amazing preaching. See, these are all good, but without the power of Pentecost, they are just impressive at best. I'm stirred by what Leonard Ravenhill wrote. He said, the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. 
I don't know about you, my friends. I don't know about, especially the younger people who might be listening. I don't know about you. But what I want is the real thing. I want the Holy Spirit. I want an unadulterated, uncompromising expression of the power of God where we where strip away the music, strip away all these nice spaces and God's presence can be tangibly felt in a place transforming lives. That's what, I, that's what I pray for. That's what I hope for because I've experienced it as a young person. I'm young, but when I was younger, the environment that I was growing up, the church wasn't beautiful. There was no LED screen. There was no fireworks and nice lightings. And these are all good stuff. But I'm saying that there wasn't all this. In fact, when I was a young person receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I mean, it was a rundown theater. And God's presence touched my life and His fire came upon me and my life was completely changed. And that's what we are going for. Amen. In this church, one of the, the, the directions that Andre set for us is we want the tangible presence of God. And I tell you, friends, nothing beats the fire of God falling upon our lives in our worship, in our preaching, in our response that will change us forever. The water must be poured for the fire to fall. Number four, it was when the prayer was made. Verses 36 and 37, when the prayer was made. At the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back, that you have turned their hearts back, when the prayer was made. Now, Elijah wasn't a perfect person. He was suicidal. He was afraid. He was hiding. And yet, one thing we know about Elijah's life, he was a man of prayer, a man of prayer. It was a habit in his life. He did not only pray when he was in trouble. In fact, I like uh, the verses in James chapter 5 where uh, the Bible says that Elijah was a man just like us, just like you, just like me. He has got his frailty, he has got his weaknesses, but he prayed. But he prayed. The fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The one all-embracing condition which must be met if God's fire is to fall upon our church, upon your life, upon your ministry, upon your work, is prayer. More prayer and yet more prayer. If we really pray, sooner or later, the fire will fall in our lives, in our work for the Lord. I'm just blessed that We've been calling the church back to prayer. I, 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 I love the Seek First initiative. And I know for some of us, it may be uncomfortable because we've not done that. It's like a muscle that we have forgotten how to use it. Never too late to start. I'm so glad we started. And my wife and I were just pacing our bedroom and we're just finding words to pray, you know, for one whole hour during our segment. And, you know, towards the end, we got into a rhythm. 
and love it when the body of when our church get when leaders gathered and we were praying together and some of you saw us praying and and something is different when the church prays and i like what raven hill said that the church really is supposed to be a prayer meeting not really a preaching meeting in fact the church was birthed in a prayer meeting on the upper room 120 were gathered together and they prayed and i want you to just take note watch this space because in our staff meeting yesterday or the day before yeah, the day before, Tim Xiao was just saying that he felt burdened to call for prayer. So watch this space. And I said, let's call it sick first. Because you know, if you can keep seeking God first for the rest of 2021, regardless of what the world uh, is, hap- what is happening around the world, the economy or, or, or the vaccine or the lack of vaccine or, or, or how the virus would mutate. Listen, when God's people pray, Things happen. Things change. At least we change. We change. I'm reminded of the, of the miracle of Dunkard. And I don't know the details, so I need to read from my notes. But on the 10th of May, 1940, Hitler unleashed a military onslaught on France and Belgium. And within days, the British army was outmaneuvered and unprepared. With their backs to... Uh, to the sea and hemmed in by the enemies. The destruction of an entire army was imminent. Prime Minister Winston Churchill found himself preparing to announce to the public in an unprecedented military catastrophe involving the capture and even the death of up to 300,000 soldiers. It was bleak. It seems hopeless. But it didn't happen because on the 23rd of May, King George VI requested that the following Sunday should be observed as a national day of prayer. Late on the Saturday evening, the military decision was taken to evacuate as many as possible of the Allied forces. On the Sunday, the nation devoted itself to prayer in an unprecedented way. Eyewitnesses and photographs confirmed overflowing congregations in places of worship across the land. Long queues formed outside cathedrals. The same day, day, an urgent request went out for boats of all sizes and shapes to cross the English Channel to rescue the besieged army. A call ultimately answered by 800 vessels. See, prayer changes things. And of course, if you read the book, uh, Reese Howells, The Intercessor, you know, God was raising. I don't think Reese is just the only person. I, you know, I think there, there were many that God was stirring to pray because in our hopeless state, prayer is not just a mean to the end. Prayer is the end. Prayer, prayer makes things happen. And I just wish that throughout this whole COVID pandemic that we could be a bit more, we could have been a bit more concerted in our prayer efforts across the land. The church could have risen up a lot more in calling the body of Christ, regardless of denominations, regardless of congregations, to a place of prayer. But nonetheless, let's start now. I mean, let us begin See, the church is supposed, to be, is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. It is when we pray that we can taste of the power of the age to come, when we partner with God to shape the course of history. It was Walter Wink who wrote that history belongs to the intercessors. I believe that. I believe that. The fire fell when Elijah prayed. My last point, 
It was when Elijah's heart was tested. See, many people suggested that, that there's a change in Elijah's praying between verses 36 and 37. In verse 36, Elijah prayed that the fire, uh, for the fire that all might know that I am your servant and have done all these things at your demand. I am your servant. Let them know I am your servant. But in verse 37, the change came and he prayed so that these people will know you. Oh Lord, you are God, that you are turning their hearts back again. The direction of prayer shifted from just me being I-centered to God-centered. Why do we want the fire of the Lord to fall? Is it so that we can do our ministry better, so that we can be more empowered for service, so, so that revival can break out in this church, people will just come because of this church? Is that our motivation? No, that's not a bad motivation, but that's an, but, but that's an immature motivation. Elijah's heart was tested and it is only when his motive is God-centered, that God should be glorified, His name to be honored and exalted, that the fire of the Lord will fall. You see, friends, I believe God is reviving His church. I believe He is awakening His people for the sake of the world, not, not just for church growth or for famous ministries, for us to be well-known, for our songs to, uh, to, to uh, be number one on Spotify or, or, or wherever you listen to music nowadays. No more CDs. You see, Ravenhill said this, that the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy. Then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. He's called the Holy Spirit. When we're touched by the fire of the Holy Spirit, his holiness becomes our holiness. As we interact with the world, we are holy as He is holy. Our words are holy. Our thoughts are holy. Our behaviors are holy. And people see the holiness of God in us and through us. You know, we are all stirred or impressed by stories of how holy men of the past People like Smith Wigglesworth, you know, would just walk uh, along the corridor, the passageway of a train. In those days, that's, that's how they travel, and their presence brought conviction to fellow passengers. I think it can happen again. I don't think that these are all old-time religion. In fact, if that's old time, God bring back old-time religion, bring that back because that's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's what the church needs. That's what believers need. So let us pray this morning that the fire of the Lord will fall. Amen. Five conditions. Repair the altar. Offer the sacrifice. Pour the water. Say the prayer. Allow our hearts to be tested. And may God use our lives, may God use this church to catalyze a movement of prayer across this land. I know people are praying, but can we just add fuel to this prayer fire? We need, we need an awakening, we need revival. So can I invite uh, Tim to join me?
on the platform in front of the camera. I, I know this is new, but I can sense you know, God stirring e e even as I'm speaking. I know you're watching this delayed, but I want you to know that even as I'm watching this, that you know, the presence of the Lord is just all around me. And I believe as we sing that God's presence is not just omnipresent, He's, he's also eternal. It's timeless. So whether you're watching this months later or watching it live right here in this space, my audience of three, that the presence of God is here. And He wants to ignite a fresh fire in our hearts. More than just performing the work of the ministry, may we be men and women on fire. The early Methodist church grew, not because of church growth methodology or church planting frameworks. The Methodists impacted the United Kingdom and, and the fire spread over to the USA because Wesley said, I set myself on fire and the world will come and see me burn. I think that's what we need this morning. God, ignite a fresh fire. Set me ablaze. And I want to say this, that there is no age range to being an on-fire believer. And those of us who are in our 40s, may we never ever say that this on-fire thing belongs to those in their teens and 20s. May our fire burn brighter and may our fire blaze even stronger as we grow older. And as you become more successful in your work, may the fire be even brighter that you are burning and shining for the Lord where you are. May we surround ourselves with people who are fanning the flame of God within us. People who love us enough to tell us that, you know, our lukewarmness is so visible and, you know, and they will tell us, hey, perhaps you should allow Holy Spirit to rekindle fire in you because your lukewarmness is a stench in the nostrils of the Lord. I mean, we need friends like that. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why, for me, I need the Sunday gathering. Of course, I love my life groups. I love the team here. But I need the Sunday gathering because collectively you are reminding me that we need to be on fire together. We need to encounter God together. We need to experience God together. So let's do it right now where you are. As Tim leads us in this song. That's our prayer. Fill us, Lord. Fill us
sing that together now. Consuming fire fed into passion for your name. Spirit of God fall in this place. Lord, Consuming fire fed into flame, a passion for your name, Spirit of God, fall in this way, Lord, have your way, Fall in this place, Lord, have your way, Lord, have your way. Just raise your hands if you can, where you are as you are watching. Consuming fire. Consuming fire. Passion for your name. Spirit of God. Fall in this place. Lord, have your Lord, have your way with us. This is where you are. Let's just worship the Lord and sing the Holy Spirit for a few more moments. Pray in tongues if you can. I believe God wants to mark our life with His fire. I believe He wants to brand us with fire. And I pray that as God's people, as, as members of this family, as 
people of this house that will all be branded by fire this morning as we begin 2021. Come and brand us with a holy fire, God, as we rebuild the altar of devotion, the altar of sacrifice in our lives. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We want to say it's not by might, not by power, but it's through you and from you that we can live this life. We're dependent on you. We can do nothing without you. We are useless in the kingdom unless you empower us. We can't shine for you unless you light the flame within us. So, Father, right now, I just ask that you will touch everyone who's listening under the sound of my voice with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Set this family ablaze, God. No more excuses. And we place a demand on your presence this morning, Lord. As we resume our physical gathering, God, I just know that you're waiting for us. I just know that you can't wait for the family to gather, that, Lord, you can meet us as a tribe, as a family. We love you so much, God. We love you so much. We love you so much. Let's sing that bridge gate, fill us, fill us again. Fill us again. Yes. Fill us anew. One more time. Tim, one more time. Fill us anew. Fill us anew. We pray. Oh, come fill us. Consuming fire, consuming fire, a passion for your name, Spirit of God, this place. Lord, have your way with us. Have your way with us. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, as many who have surrendered to you afresh, members of that body, I pray that you will touch us, God. Transform us. 
We love you, Lord. We honor you. May we be a church on fire. Not for our sake, but for the sake of the world that you love. For such a time as this. We pray all these in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen.